Welcome to another episode of Tread Lightly. I'm your co-host, Coach Amanda Brooks of Run to the Finish. And I'm co-host Laura of Laura Norris Running. I'm super excited about today's topic because it was one that I had to sort of figure out when I married into David's family. (laughs) And I think one that a lot of people will relate to. But first, I know we have a good question, so let's get into that. Yes. So this question was sent to me by Annie. She asked, after about 60 minutes of running, my shoulder blades start to ache And this occurred in my first and only marathon to the point where my shoulders were so uncomfortable that I had to walk in parts. Should I be doing some strengthening exercises or are there any cues that I should be aware of? Oh, Annie, I feel you. I feel (laughs) you. So one of the things that I see so often and that I myself am guilty of on certain days is because this is hard, you're doing a marathon, you're doing something new, your body is kind of trying to find like protective mechanisms. And as a stress response, what we all tend to do is like our shoulders creep up. If you just think about like sitting at your desk and you're getting stressed, like your shoulders creep up, we, you know, they're closer to your ears. And so all of a sudden, all this energy that should be going into your legs is now like being sucked up by all these really tight muscles in your shoulders. And so often I will, even just as I'm running, like kind of shake my arms and just remind myself like, loosen up, let go, let go. And I mentally start saying to myself, like, I want all my energy in my legs. I want all my energy in my legs. And so it'll remind me also even in my face, because when it gets hard, even with your face, you start kind of scrunching it and scowling or you start hunching over a little and it's just that reminder to sort of stand up let your shoulders drop um it's so common and especially if you wear a hydration pack I think it happens a little bit more than too yeah I think the hydration pack can be a trigger for some runners especially if maybe they didn't train in it and then I think the movement patterns we learn in everyday life transfer over to running and a lot of people don't have good posture in at their desk during the day. They, you know, slouch forward and stuff. And that's where I do think like strengthening exercises can come into hand just for the sheer fact that strength training improves your posture. Better posture in everyday life essentially like wires your nervous system to maintain better posture while running. So that's why I'm a huge fan of upper body training for runners, core training, everything to encourage posture. It can be lifting weights or it could be doing Pilates for some people. And then the cue I always like is like shoulders down and relaxed. Um, kind of like you said, just not holding that stress and tension there. Um, and I have seen for some runners, it helps to like stretch out their chest muscles or maybe even like get in there with a lacrosse ball. If from sitting at the desk that they have essentially like reactive shortening of their pectorials and that adaptive shortening and tightness causes them to slouch forward rather than it being directly related to the back. That is such a good point. A lot of the times when I have had neck pain in the past, it's been because I actually needed to release my pecs Mm -hmm. in the front. They were so tight. I was pulling forward. Um, And I think you're right. I agree with strengthening as well. We kind of forget upper body, but your muscles are going to have more endurance because you've also trained them and you need to be able to keep pumping your arms hard and everything like that. So 
any upper body is going to help. But really, I love that thought of sort of thinking posture first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe depending on how long you've been running, it also just will come with like more running experience that your muscles will develop better fatigue resistance. Again, she said this is her first marathon, but I don't know how long she had been running prior to doing it. Good point. Good point. Okay. So today we're going to talk about sort of all the things around encouraging your family to run, which goes from everything from kind of like getting kids out the door to our spouses and then turkey trots, because those will be coming up for a lot of you based on hopefully when you're listening. So let's start with some recommendations around kids and what what kind of can they be doing at different ages? Yes, I I feel like this is one where you see on social media people being like, oh, this eight-year-old finished a marathon and stuff or anything like that. And the official recommendations are much more conservative than you may see on social media. So the American Academy of Pediatrics has identified a few risks for children related to long-distance running. And that includes growth plate injuries, heel cord injuries, chronic joint trauma, thermal intolerance because children aren't as good at controlling their core temperature as adults, and psychological issues from pressure to perform placed on them at too young of an age. For these reasons, it's generally recommended that under 8 to 10, they do like the kids race, which is usually like half a mile, a mile. Around 8 to 10 is where some pediatric medicine specialists such as Dr. Dr. Mark Halstead at the University of Washington recommend a 5K if the interest is there. Yeah, I think that if the interest there is a big piece. I, it's real easy because we love it to think that they want to train for it, but they may not. They may just be thinking that 5K is about like the one mile thing that they've done. They may not really have a concept of how far it is. And I love this sort of reminder that the statement women are not small men, you know, has become ubiquitous, but kids are not small adults. So they have a different physiology. And it is really important, like you said, to keep that in mind when thinking about the fact that if they're having a growth spurt, they could be at a higher injury risk, or they could even have a higher potential for stress fractures especially running on pavement, you think about how many more steps they have to take to cover the distance and that they don't yet have all of that muscular support around their joints and their bones and everything like that. So just, you know, when you're getting all excited that they're showing interest, kind of thinking about some of those things that they're not able to think of for themselves yet. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a reason they have kids distance races and that more kids should do those versus the full races because a half mile is very safe for kids and kids are so just, they want to do what you're doing as an adult and it's up to you, like you said, to make some of the decisions and leads for them. Like if a parent was to say like, oh kid, you're definitely doing the 10K, the kid will do it because they trust their parents and they want to follow their parents' example. So, you know, kids just don't grasp how far a distance is. I mean, my kid will sometimes be on her scooter and go like a mile and she's like, we went many miles. <laughs> I mean, I don't grasp how far it is at times. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, isn't that why we keep signing up for marathons? <laughs> it's true. We forget. We don't remember how far it is. Um, 
there was also a recommendation even for like 10 to 14 year olds we're still kind of saying 10k is probably the max they need to be doing at that point and i think that's where we're kind of looking at the things like growth spurts and that is one of the reasons that you know we've seen a lot of kids who are in sort of intense athletics at those ages now seeing a few more injuries um growth spurts are a big part of what's caused some of that. So just considering that when you're looking at how far they're running as well. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they don't have peak bone density yet. And that's a, it's a lot on the body already to grow. And it sometimes does feel like sports specialize too soon for kids. And that includes running. Like there is a large body of evidence that indicates that the best thing to do for kids is a variety of sports. And so like, even if your kid's interested in running, don't just make them only a runner from age eight. Yeah, it's amazing. Some of the best athletes later are because they actually had more well-rounded sporting experiences. So I think that's interesting. Um, If you're thinking like, okay, we've got maybe a kid's race coming up, or I just want my kids to sort of be excited about running the way that I am. One of the things to do is really find ways to keep it fun. And oftentimes when I've seen folks do this, it also sort of reminds them that running can be fun and doesn't have to just be like, I have to go get in a six mile run. So with kids, they may naturally be running around, but if you're trying to kind of find ways to sneak a little bit more of it in, there are a lot of ways you can just play games. So you could go out as a group you know, maybe you're in a park and you do a scavenger hunt. So, okay, everyone go look for the biggest pine cone and everyone takes off running to find the biggest pine cone. Um, Red light, green light, great one for the little kids. Um, Dodgeball, tag. There's a lot of those that you can do, honestly, at a lot of ages that they're Mm -hmm. still going to be excited about. Um, And then as they get a little older, and maybe they're thinking about that 5k, you can still keep it fun. So you could do kind of a leapfrog style run. And so whoever is leading is currently setting the pace. And especially if you've got some different ages there, you may get a little bit of a sprint for a minute. Um, And then you can slow it way back down and some things like that to just kind of keep it fun these things are just going to help them build up some confidence and have fun when they go into that kid's race and you feel like, okay, this is a good idea because I've seen them move around enough. It's not going to be like a painful thing for everyone to do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so important to make it a good experience to encourage, continue to encourage physical activity rather than make them resent it. Tag is big in our household. Like that's my kid's favorite way is she'll be like, let's go play tag. And So we go play tag and she gets in a good amount of running with it, but it's like, you know, running to the tree, that's the safe space. And then she stops and then she's it for a while and she, you know, goes a little slower. We take a break. It's like, it's just not structured like adult training. Yep. Which I think is just so key. And (laughs) I want to say that also for the other question I often get, which is like, well, my partner or my spouse doesn't really like to run, but I'd like them to like to run. (laughs) And I think, you know, if you could initially think of them a little like your kids, this might help. Like, how can you keep it more fun for them? Because they may be thinking like a three mile run does not sound enjoyable. So 
Um, what can you do to make it a little more interesting, a little less like they're being forced to train for something? And I think that initial, like keeping it really positive in terms of the focus, and this was how I sort of tricked my husband's family into things is I'm not nagging anyone to move like, Hey, we've all been sitting here for 62 hours straight. Instead. I'm like, gosh, wouldn't it be fun for us all to go to the gym and shoot baskets or just spend some time together? Like what is kind of that positive spin you can put on it that makes them like, Oh yeah, like it would be nice to get out of the house or whatever it might be. Yeah. And I think that's really key. And also, I think it's important to remember they're a beginner then. So they're not going to be able to just join you on your easy six miler that feels like not a big deal to those of us have been training. And then another point that I know you've mentioned before is making sure that it's understandable that it's an open invitation. So like they can join when they're ready. It shouldn't have pressure around it of being like, I want you to come with me or this is going to cause an argument right now. Yeah, and I think sometimes we sort of make the invitation once and then we don't really mention it again because they didn't take us up on it the first time. Um, So I think it's important, like, if this is something you genuinely want, not to pressure them, but to sort of just consistently, like, hey, I was just thinking about taking a walk after dinner. Do you want to walk with me? And then once you've gotten them walking with you, it's, hey, would you be interested at all in like just a short run walk? Like we're both feeling pretty good. And again, if they say no, they say no. But sometimes we make the invite once and then we don't mention it again because we got blown off and they may actually start thinking they're interested, but they're afraid they're going to interrupt your training. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, just making it clear like, no, no, I want to do this with you. Yeah. And like, if your training is a really big priority for you, like make it clear that you'll be like, I'll go the first two miles slower so we can run them together or pick a time when you're in an off season to really commit to running together. If that's something they are invested in again, don't, don't force it on them. They're a partner in this, not someone that you're like drill sergeanting. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things I've also found is If they do agree to it, then you want to make it a really positive experience that first time around so that they will come back. And I think setting clear expectations up front of sort of like, hey, I'm just going to let you dictate the pace today or whatever that is, even if you are faster than whatever they do, do not start running in front of them. Like you're just out there to be with them, sort of decide up front, like, hey, you know, when I tend to run this way, this is the route I take. Do you want to do that? And David and I have learned that like, I'm the one navigating. So I will use hand signals. I will tell him like with my hands, like I'm going to be turning right. Otherwise I'm just slamming into him as I turn right. (laughs) He doesn't realize we're turning right. Um, So any of the little things you can kind of do again, if they're brand new, they may not feel like chatting with you. They may be like, I need to put in music because I can't talk. Um, so don't be offended. Just discuss it up front. Hey, are we going to be chatting? Do you want to listen to music? Like what's going to make this most enjoyable for you? Oh yeah. And that discussion is so important, especially then if you get to a point where you're racing together, not just running together, but you know, doing a race, like have the discussion up front of like, how do you want me to support you when it gets hard? Should I talk? Or should I be quiet and just let you focus? Because I know at one point my husband and I did a couple half marathons together. And 
we're we're I'm a more chipper person at mile 10 or 13, but it was a conversation we had before. So it was like, we just, you know, when it came time, I was like, okay, we're just going to focus and be, be quiet. That's such a good point. I've paced people in races before and did not have the conversation up front. So I was feeling pretty good. They're kind of in the pain cave. Mm -hmm. um, and I did finally have one of them go, okay. I need you to be quiet. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I've said that to someone before too. So like, yeah, just just kind of know what they need. And I think all of this is important if you have seen that turkey trot or something that's a few months in advance because those are really family-friendly, beginner-friendly like places to allow someone to feel really comfortable to start because there's going to be a ton of people walking. There's usually someone pushing a jogging stroller. There may be someone with their dog. Like it's just a less pressure environment. And one of the reasons I really, I do get excited about them. Yeah. I think they are like great opportunities to race together as a family. And especially like Thanksgiving's nice because it's cooler and goodness knows everyone could probably stand to get out of the house for a little bit because like, I mean, family holidays just kind of might disrupt your own training routine. So it's a nice way to get in your training without being like, bye family, I'll see you in two hours. Yes. I mean, I still do that too sometimes. <laughs> I go real early. Oh, same. But yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's interesting. Like what are some of the things you would recommend people kind of thinking about if they are looking at trying to kind of get the family involved in a turkey trot? Yes. I mean, first off, I would say, again, have the discussion with your family sooner than later. Don't spring it on them when you get there in November and be like, you know, hey, I want to do this. We could walk it. Also be clear that like with them that you can do it together, but you don't have to be together the whole race. Like if it's they think, oh, I, I won't be able to keep up with you. So why should I even bother? Be like, you know, we can go together and start together and then go out at our own paces just as long as that's established before. So I think that's really the most important thing. And then just again, like focusing on the positives of it. And, you know, when you're telling them about it, maybe it's not a good time to also then bring up your story about how hard your last marathon was or something. Yeah. I think what can be fun is a lot of people find that like what they love most about vacation is the anticipation and the planning. So if you can get them excited about the turkey trot, it gives them a reason to, you know, go take their walk or try a little run and to be excited about it coming up. And so kind of fostering that in the months leading up to it, I think is really useful. It gives them like a chance to sort of have that buildup um, and gives you something to connect and communicate around, which I do think is like a really nice thing as well, because let's be honest, holidays and family time can be stressful for a lot of folks. So this is a really nice, like, oh, we're kind of staying in touch leading up to it anyways, because we're all planning for this. We're all sort of training for this. They may have questions for you, which is fun. Like you can kind of help them with that. Um, and like Laura said, saying, Hey, no worries. If you just want to walk this, that's totally cool. I'd just be really excited for us to all be out there together. And I find that it's just 
a good way to maybe get some folks who weren't doing a lot of activity to not feel super pressured, but to start doing something. Yeah. Yeah. And be encouraging of them doing something. We all start, we all began at one point and a lot of people began from very little activity. So like keep that frame of reference when you talk to them, don't talk down. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that's super important. And maybe you don't have a turkey trot. And so you're thinking of like other ideas. Um, like I said, when I would visit David's family initially, it felt like a struggle to me because it was so cold in the winter and we would just sit inside. But I, at one point was kind of like, Hey, I heard there's an open gym and everyone immediately was like, Oh, okay. And we went and played basketball and pickleball and walked around. And I think sometimes people are just waiting for someone else to have an idea, honestly. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think that too, like, when family visits us, we're often like, let's go for a walk. Let's walk the kid to the playground or walk the dogs together. And it's just a lot of times family doesn't want to encroach until someone else makes the first suggestion. Yeah, good point. If you're not sure where to start with kind of helping someone get ready for a turkey trot, we can definitely drop some links um, in the notes. So I know I've got like a how to walk a 5k training plan. So truly when you're feeling like, hey, no pressure, um, there's one just for walking. Or I am a big fan of the couch to 5k style plans. I have one. um, It's a little different from theirs, like the original couch to 5k, but it's the same basic idea of like figuring out how to just get started and get moving. And a lot of people like the accountability of checking something off. So maybe you print out plans for everyone in the family and things like that. So there's definitely ways you can kind of help them and still keep it low pressure. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I've seen some families have like matching t-shirts at the turkey trots and stuff, like something to make it really fun and exciting and maybe to keep everyone from wearing like very heavy cotton at their turkey trot. (laughs) Been there, done that. First marathon, lots of cotton. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else then you would leave for our listeners on running with family, running with kids, that whole topic? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing really is that remember it was hard for you at first and you probably didn't love it right out of the gate. Um, As much as I love running now, it was really, really hard when I started, you know, I don't, I don't think I woke up every day saying I love this. (laughs) So that is the point that they're at. Um, And so just kind of going back in your head to where you were so that you can have that empathy um, and set expectations and think what might have helped you back then. Yeah, that's a really, really good piece of advice. And what I would add is know that also sometimes this goes both ways. So like if you are inviting your spouse to go run with you, and they invite you to go do an activity with them that you're maybe not usually a huge fan of, like sometimes make the trade-off of like, okay, I want you to come run with me and I will go bike with you or play some pickleball or whatever it is that they like that you might not be as into. Don't make, don't try to make running their only thing when it's your only thing and be flexible and enjoy other things with them. Ooh, that is a good, good point. 
David would really like it if I would mountain bike, but I have at least <laughs> acquiesced to riding a bike around on the roads. <laughs> I, I gravel bike with my husband and he's like, okay, you ready to go up Boulder Canyon? And I'm like, you what? No, not really. Maybe up, but not down. I was like, I will go up if you pick me up at Flagstaff, but that's a little different than just circling around on a bike ride. <laughs> yes. I think that's a really, really good point though. Um, all right. Well, everyone, we know this was a little bit shorter episode for you this week, but we hope that it was still some useful information. And as always, let us know if you have more questions or anything else that we can help out with. Yes, we've been loving hearing from listeners, seeing all those reviews. So please rate, review, subscribe. You can find us on Instagram at treadlightlyrunning or at Laura Norris Running or at Run to the Finish. And the podcast should be available on pretty much every platform. So Google, Spotify, Apple Playlist, whatever you're looking for. Definitely take a second, pass on one of your favorite episodes to a friend. And as always, thank you for listening.